0: And Welcome to the Les Represent podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything lesbian and lady-loving queer, our hopes, our passions, our stories, our experiences, and most of all, representation and what it means to us. And today I have a super special guest and a possible co-guest, maybe, who's sitting in on the conversation. We'll see. We'll see how far we get before we just have both of them talking. Anyway, so welcome. Introduce yourself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that was awesome uh, my name is Chris Dresden and uh, okay um, I'm a comic book artist illustrator, writer graphic designer uh, bon vivant um, living in uh, Chicago
0: Chicago no, we're not going to go there I'm not going to go to Musical Central
1: wow, it took you, it took you like three <laughs> seconds to jump in, that's awesome
0: well she said she was going to try so for So, for everyone at home, uh, Chris Strezin is married to J.D. Glass, who we have interviewed previously about her works and her books, and now I am having the pleasure of talking to her wife, but also both of them, so we're going to see how it goes. It's the first time I had a married couple on that are married to each other. It's fantastic.
2: Oh, it's a pleasure.
0: I'm so glad you could take time out of your schedule, because I... From what we've heard before from JD's, like, everything is, you guys have a busy schedule all the time.
1: Yeah, we pretty much do, and it just gets busier and busier, which is not a bad thing. But, you know, it's like, okay, uh, when do we find time to do laundry and grocery shop? And it's like, well, we don't need those things. It's like, (laughs) yeah, 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 you kind of do. So it's like, you know, it's truly there's not enough hours in the day, so.
0: I I feel you. I feel you. I work too much, have a big commune, and then you have to to make time for each other, though. But when you guys are working with each other, does that, is that still the same? Well, I assume it's the same. I don't know how to voice this question without sounding like an idiot, apparently. Um.
1: (laughs) No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, we're very fortunate in that our schedules allow, like, um, I pick up JD from work every day. You know, I drive. I gotta work a little bit before she does. I drive and pick her up from work. Um, so we spend as much time as possible with each other. And I think you know, it's 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 only the hours that we're at work that we're apart. You know, everything else we do, you know, be it music, art, writing, whatever. Um, we have a studio in our home, and we share the studio. So we're not like in separate parts of our home. Like she has her space, I have mine we are you know side by side pretty much constantly so so that works in that regard we're doing each our own thing but we're in the same space doing it and we don't get on each other's nerves or in each other's space in terms of uh you know she's playing music and i'm drawing it's not like you know turn down the guitar or you know you're drawing too loud it's (laughs) none of that you know i actually enjoy listening to rehearse while i work and You know, if she's writing something, it's like, can you read this? And if I'm writing something, I say, please don't laugh when you read this. And it it, it works out quite well. It's it's very, it's it's completely balanced. And we do stuff. We cook dinner together. You know, um, we would do laundry together. I mean, everything's kind of done together. So, um, you know, we are busy. We are busy together, which sounds like a Partridge family line, but it's really not. You're right, it does. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's sweet, let's begin talking about your, your career. So, you for some reason I don't know where I read it, but it had an air quote that you were retired.
1: Ah, uh, my I'm very re- quote unquote, yeah, air quote. <laughs> I'll call it the air quote, air quote retired comic book artist, comic strip artist. Uh, yeah. yeah, kind of. I started, I've always drawn comics like since I was a kid. Um, I love comics, comic strips like the Sunday paper and, you know, Archie's comics and Dennis the Menace comics and Spider-Man comics, superhero comics and X-Men comics. And I knew from a young kid that I just wanted to draw comics. so I did start drawing comics, Um, you know, that I became a circling teen and outgrew them for like five years, and then fell back into when I found out there's more out there than just superhero stuff. And um, now they you know, they call it the alternative comics, you know, like alternative music, but it was just you know stuff that was not superhero, and it's the stuff that evolved to what graphic novels are today. What it was starting out as, and I discovered that, and went oh, this is cool stuff. So I started drawing my own and writing my own, and working with others to illustrate, you know, other writers about would illustrate what they write. And I did it for um, let's say I started in ninety three ninety four and I pretty much stopped in well, stopped, stop but the last one I did was twenty fifteen maybe no it was right before I broke my hand so twenty fourteen yeah, yeah so twenty fourteen um oh that was a big day. well then we'll get into that but um but I done like um, a bunch of work got recognized for it and um. I did a lot. I mean, I put out, um, a series. My first was a series called Manya. Um, it was written by Jen Beka who is, um, a well-known in the poetry world. Um, I won't embarrass her too much. So, uh, let's leave it at that. But she's a big wig in the poetry world, the biggest wig, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, and, um, we got a lot of recognition for that. Um, because Jen writes beautifully, and I got this whole storytelling style, and we got a lot of recognition for it, including an Eisner nomination. The Eisner is the Comics World equivalent of like the Oscar or Emmy. We got nominated for our work for that. We did not win, but we got nominated. And then I created by myself uh, my answer to the gay, I guess you call it Sunday or comic newspaper comic strip. Equivalent, um, where mine it was more a comic book form. I did this in comic book form, it was called Max and Lily. And uh, Max is the girl, Lily is the boy. They're both gay, they're best friends since high school. It was just one page, I would say, adventures um, that they would, they basically just discussed a subject or a topic. And you can jump in if I'm not describing this well, because I had to about a It's like a, well. like a
0: four-panel slice of life kind of
1: thing. It was actually nine panels. I had a formula, ah. and um, it started out as a challenge from somebody to write a strip a week about an event in the news. But I would find some obscure event to write about it. But the project that was for fell apart like almost immediately. My oh. life characters, <laughs> so I started taking events in my life which I thought were amusing and funny to me, but I put through a fiction grinder to make it much more interesting and funny to everybody else. And it, and it took off, and I did, I think, almost 70 strips over uh, 10 years. Because I'd only put them out when I had something to put out. I tried doing it with me, but it's like, I'm not interesting enough to have something interesting happen to me every week to write about. You are nowadays. So I would just if something if that would I'm like oh I could write a strip about this, and so I think what I the body that I did was really solid and strong. So um I did that for a while and put out a book of those guys and I did a lot of single strips. I went to anthologies and got printed in anthologies overseas. I've had stuff in in French comics, uh, Italian comics in Spain. Um, I call the land that has fjords, you know, Denmark, Sweden, whatever. Um, and my comics are pretty much pretty much everywhere, and um, I started to slow down because you know I get the, my job became much more. Uh, I rose up in rank, so I had more responsibility, so I had less time to dedicate to comics, and then. Um, I met JD and you know <laughs> that took up a lot more time but I'm not completely It's just
0: something about when you meet forgive me if I am so bold the love of your yeah. life that just changes everything.
1: Exactly. And you know we can tell the story about how comics was how we called to each other. It's it's yeah. so sweet. Everybody's just going to die from like, you know, get the insulin ready cuz they're going you know, to die diabetic from how sugar and sweet it is. Um, <laughs>
0: I do enjoy listening to how <laughs> <have little> <laughs> especially when it's from, like, both people's perspective. Like, just because it does not matter. Like, me and wife know exactly what happened, but we will tell, of course, the story differently from each other. So it's always <laughs> fun to hear those extra little tidbits the other one just don't mention.
1: Well, it's interesting that um, it's... But anyway, we'll talk about how the near-misses we had over the course of 20 years. It's really funny. But anyways, the comics thing, um, and then, you know... Um, JD moved here, and like what was it, a year? After we got together, um, yeah. I was in a car accident, and um, I broke my left hand, now I'm right-handed, but my left hand got broken. And um, you think, oh, great, so my left hand, I'm fine. No, you can't do anything when your hand is broken. So, I mean, even drawing, you can't hold paper and all that, and I just, I didn't draw for a year, and I kind of went, wow, it's I was under the pressure to oh, because I did web comics. I did one web comic that took me five years to do online, and I was doing a lot of really intense work. And um, then I had a year where I couldn't do anything really. And when it came time, it's like I should do comics. And I went, eh, I feel like it. But so I went back to doing more like illustration and book illustration stuff. So that's where my focus is now.
0: I see why the the air quotes, retiredness, comes from them.
1: Yeah, because there's like, (gasps) I'm like, I didn't stop drawing. I just stopped drawing comics, (laughs) you know? Right, right. But but when we're just comics influence, and plus, you know, comics take a long time. I can do a drawing in an afternoon. I don't have to take five years to draw a graphic novel. I can draw one drawing in an afternoon. like, hey, I feel accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of like, oh, my God, this is year three of this. I suck. You because know, I'm doing a page a week and I'm doing a 300-page book. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, let's do the math on that one, you know?
0: Yeah, so how did it you... It takes
1: a long time.
0: Oh, so sorry. How did you get into all this? Is this something that you've always liked doing? Is it something that just came to you?
1: The comic stuff?
0: Um, anything. Any of your artistic talents, I guess. Did you, like, always know that you wanted to make illustrations?
1: Uh, yeah, because I think my mom has drawing. Like my earliest drawing is like I'm 18 months old and I'm just wow. scribbling. Yeah, and I've always been attracted to comics because um, even before I could like understand what comics were, when I was sitting at you know little young little Chris with her crayons and paper, I'd be drawing these drawings, and I would draw like people running or doing some kind of activity or a car. In my head I'm writing a story to go along with the picture. It wasn't just like I'm drawing cards like, okay, he's in a car and he's driving fast, but these guys are chasing him and he's gonna go there and then and then and then you know and I always done that. So when I knew what comics were, I understood it, I'm like, oh, this is perfect, it's a story and picture. And that's what I do. Because, you know, if I write just straightforward words, it's it drives me crazy. I'd rather just draw the tree instead of spending, you know, three pages describing it.
0: Right, right. I I completely understand that. I <laughs> I tried to be an artist at one point. Didn't work out so well, but I completely understand that whole wanting to describe things in a different way, just using a different form of language to get your point across. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out which way to go with this because I we can either continue talking about, because I know you have a lot to talk about in your career, like what you've done, like how you've gotten there, your struggles that you've done along the way. But then I also want to hear about you, like you personally, like when, you know, when did you know that you were gay? When did, how did that change your life? And how did that affect the career going into it?
1: Oh, well, it all, it all, it all um intertwined. So yeah, I can start with that and flow into It does, does, one does lead to the other in some way or another. So, uh, in hindsight, I probably knew it was gay when I was like five years old. You know, it's like, oh, that was a crush you had on that girl you're friends with in in, kindergarten, you know, in hindsight. Um, But I was, I wouldn't say a tomboy, but I always had I wasn't interested in being a girly girl. Mm -hmm. And um, to my, parents credit they never tried to make me that um uh they let me have like you know i wanted star wars toys they didn't say no girls i'll play with star wars i had star wars toys you know i wanted a sandbox my dad built a sandbox um i think the last time i wore a dress was picture day of kindergarten Um, wow (laughs) I made very clear I was not happy wearing dresses, so they let me wear pants. And you know, um, you know, if I wanted to wear boots and and you know, and tennis shoes and Star Wars T-shirts and hoodies and stuff, they never tried to make me. And I, I'm I'm the firstborn, so it's like you know, that's the that's the high pressure. You're the girl. Your daddy, your mom's little girl. We're gonna dress you up. I was having none of it. So, um, you know, that lasts until I had a, a strong will, which is about par- approximately age five. Oh, wow. And I always had boys as friends. You know, girls were boring, which is always ironic. You hear, like, these women who are lesbians, like, I hated girls when I was younger. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah it's weird. <laughs> it's
2: weird.
1: Well, you know, because girls don't understand you because why well, you hate boys? Are you a boy? It's like, no, but, you know. They're interested in why was it superheroes and cartoons and I wasn't you know being giggly and running around and you know it's, it's like stereotyping how little girls were but this is the '70s you know they were like that you know so to, um, to be
0: fair I grew up with girls in the '90s and they were still like that I don't exactly. think, I don't think they changed. I mean I've had friends that were girls and guys but it was always easier. To get along with the guys because they're just like, let's play with Pokemon cards and action figures. And I'm like, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: You, and- you play about with the girls and they want to, forgive the phrase, pinch tits, pinch, <laughs> bleh, pinch tits <laughs> and playhouse.
1: Yeah. I shit. mean, you know, like in the 70s, like I wanted to play with G.I. Joes and have soldiers and play with cool Jeeps and, you know, toy Jeeps in the sandbox. And, you know, girls wanted to dress up Barbies and play with hair. And I'm like, no, that is nowhere near where I lie. You know, and I wanted to draw, like, aggressively with crayons and not color delicately, you know, in, in um, you know, little Barbie coloring books and whatnot. So.
0: You probably didn't want to draw flowers all the time.
1: No, I did not.
0: I don't know what it is with girls and drawing flowers all the time, but it seems to be a thing.
1: Or horses. I still can't draw horses. I don't understand the allure. Of the girls with the horse drawing horses. Yeah,
0: I don't understand the lore of girls and horses. Period. But here we are.
1: <laughs> I know. As soon as I sorry. said that, I'm, I'm like, so wow.
2: Sorry, I'm so sorry. I laughed
1: so loud.
0: <laughs> back, back to the back to art and gay. Yeah, art and gay. gay. Art. That sounds like that sounds like a event that should happen. Like they mm-hmm. have like beer and art festivals around here all the time. I want an art and gay festival just somewhere.
1: There you go. That's awesome.
2: There you go. <laughs> anyway, we
1: live like that. Exactly. Alright, so where were we? Boys, girls,
2: and not draw yeah. not drawing horses or flowers. Yeah. Actually not drawing hair
1: and flowers. Yeah. So um uh, I completely lost my career thought with that one. But yeah, so gay from a very young age when I actually like Consciously realized it. Uh, teens, as always, and um, uh it's okay. We'll right um, but it was kind of like, okay, everybody's dating. I have zero interest in it. And there's always that peer pressure, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you know, <sighs> keep, yeah, you know, it's like it's like. Well, also, I'm like, we're 14. We should be just. What's the pressure to be in a relationship? But that's my brain, you know. And I'm, I, I, I'm, I was antisocial to nobody's surprise. So, you know, it's like all these kids hanging out, getting drunk, you know, in.
0: 14?
1: The, oh God. Yeah.
0: Oh God. I was not one of the cool kids. So I didn't get that experience.
1: The cool kid either. I had no interest in hanging out. I had very few friends, you know, I didn't go out and hang out on weekends. I stayed home and read. That's my thing. I read books, read books did drawings, but at that age, I was mostly, you know, in the teenage years, I just came home and just read, yeah, I could read a book a night and just read, 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 read. And I was fine with that. I didn't like people. I didn't like my peers at all because it wasn't to alcohol, wasn't to drugs, wasn't to just hanging out in the forest preserve, you know, listening to Rush really loud, you know, and hoping the the forest preserve cops don't catch us, uh, you know? And um, so... You kind of go, oh, and you kind of you know self evaluate, and I was like, it's really weird to wonder why. And then I went, I remember consciously going, oh, I wonder if I'm gay. And I went, oh, yeah, that's what you are. okay. Yeah. I went, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, went, okay, I, went I went, I went, okay, that makes sense. And that was it. And you know, a few minutes of going, oh, a little bit of panic, and it's like, deal, and I dealt. Um, Sorry, but like, 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 I never felt. Be...
0: I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt. When was, like, no, the first, like, conscious, um... Like, you, the first time you actually got gay as a concept?
1: Oh, it's, oh, well, actually, it was the 70s. Um, my parents had friends, gay men who were friends uh, of ours, and, um, that one of the friends of my parent, a friend of my parents who, uh, we consider him an uncle because, um we've known him since I was four years old, was a gay man. Like, disco 70s gay man. Like, fabulous apartment with, you know, wassily chairs, gay, and loved Donna Summer and Elizabeth Taylor into drag, gay. And we didn't know what the word for it was. We just knew that, you know, this, this uncle was different. And he had cool friends who were all hanging out together and had fabulous apartments in the city. And as we got older and we understood, oh, He's gay. That's what it means. It oh, wasn't right. a complete out of the blue thing. It was something. It's like, oh, but we never. I never saw any female equivalent that was like, men are gay. And then it's like, then you see like the the female equivalent. It's like, well, how come they aren't as cool as those guys? You know. Same like, experience. You know? <laughs> the microphone. Not not because <laughs> I can't. I to know, pay no, for I another another one. I know I would pay for that, but it's like. And then you start seeking out at that time. Now we're talking the seventies and eighties, um, and it was a completely different thing. It's like, well, you know, it's these crunchy granola hippie women, and this is pre wealthy, business suited power lesbians. This is your mother earth, crunchy granola, barefoot you know love peace everything That's women true. women can do no wrong you know women and women together are perfect it's a it's a utopian society i was having none of it because i'm like no i'm not interested in that at all i would and like then- i would
0: like a diagram for someone to bring out like the stereotypes like of how the label has changed because you're saying 70s it was like barefoot granola hippies but are you saying in the 80s it was more like corporate power lesbians no No, those those didn't even
1: happen to the
0: 90s okay so those didn't happen to the 90s because that makes sense because shoulder pads um exactly
1: (laughs) shoulder pads came in and they went we got what we were looking for (laughs) Like, like you know, exactly it's like you know all the guys these male men that i was exposed to um they would go dancing and you're like i remember like they they, they would play like and it was just, it it seems like a stereotype now but the reality was it was men looking good looking sharp they went to discos i remember like you know hearing about disco and down the summer and my parents hanging out with them and disco dancing and it was they were fun and they knew all this cool stuff. They had they, they made like, you know, quiches and excited you know, quiche, you're going, What the hell? But back then quiche and fondue and they knew about all this cool stuff and they knew cool places in Chicago where to go. it was exciting. It was fun it was like, wow, these guys are awesome and then you find the lesbian equivalent and it's like, Well, maybe I made my homemade granola and I'm sitting here meditating, and we're all very quiet and very zen, and the music they played was um, not even stuff I'd ever heard of. You know, disco you can hear in the radio, CNTV, what they're listening to, you know, which is, you know, women with soft voices playing guitar and sounding soothing, I'm listening to it going, and I'm a kid who's, like, into Kiss and all that. I'm like, rock and roll, rock and roll. I'm like, and there's this. And I'm like, I don't want to do that.
2: Did you guys have the, what I call the, 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 the Mao's army?
1: Yeah. You know, you know there,
2: there's, that, there's that whole big thing that you're missing in the late 70s, going to the 80s, they shave the head, we're wearing a communist yes, jacket. Yes, yes, We can't tell. And, you know, it's not whether they're men, men or women. It's, now, don't get me wrong, they actually did a lot in terms of feminism. They're right. God right, for them. Right. In terms of that. But still, it was kind of like, we, we are ugly. We are deliberately ugly to smash the patriarchy. Do not talk about butch and femme because then they smashed the whole paradigm. When mm-hmm. we were coming out, butch and femme was like forbidden. Right. In fact, and we still carry some of that where you're not, you can't be butch or femme because if you're butch or femme, you are obeying the patriarchy.
1: Right. But then at the same time, you're seeing stuff on TV you haven't seen for like the Bionic Woman, Charlie's Angels. These women with superpowers are really, you know, like Charlie's Angels, great hair, great hair, <laughs> looking fantastic. And being very kind of like, I guess the word is like very aggressive and not, uh, even look, Charlie's angel, look, Charlie was in charge. But there were three women who were going out and catching bad guys. Jamie Summers who was freaking bionic. Come on, that's awesome. My first crush. My first crush, too. And that's like... <laughs> you married me. And I married you. <laughs> so, um, and that's actually part of the reason we get the whole story about why, uh, you know... It, it's just like, yeah, you know, that, that was the thing. It's like, and you're talking to lesbians our age, and it's like, okay, who'd you like? Okay, Sabrina and Bobby It's like, you were so gay. It's like, I was so gay. You know? I like Jacqueline Smith. Jacqueline Smith is good too, but after only after Farrah left because her character. Much more I forward. wasn't watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, all the boys had the fair faucet poster, but the girls didn't characters. You were a gay girl. You didn't care about Farrah. You liked, you know, uh, Kate Jackson, and to a lesser degree, um, who played uh, who played uh, what was her name? Jacqueline Smith. Jacqueline Smith. Yeah. Okay. Jacqueline I don't know Smith. what the
2: character's name was because I didn't wasn't watching for the show. Yes, yeah, agree. But yeah, but yeah. So it's, you
1: know, does anyone actually we- know what the Charlie's Angels names were? Because I don't think they're the same as the the new. No. No. Yeah, no. No. Oh God. No. But, yeah, that's the stuff you're watching. Then, of course, you Carter's Wonder Woman. I love Charlie. You know, that was all... That's what you wanted to see. It's like these women kicking ass. But the reality was not that. Now, today, it's the same thing. It's Wonder Woman kicking ass, lesbian. Same thing, you know? <laughs> Back then, not so much.
0: Did you guys hear they're remaking Charlie's Angels again?
1: Of course they are.
0: Of course they are. <laughs> but one of them... It's rumored that they're a lesbian. I feel like I hear rumors of people being like, LBGT in new movies all the freaking time, and I'm just like, yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Excuse me, I'll, I'll believe that when I actually see it, and it's more than yeah. just five seconds of them awkwardly waltzing with each other. Yeah, I will or not play- let Disney or- forget that, because they telling me that he's <laughs> gay, and then what happened? It was like five freaking seconds. I will not take that.
2: Yeah. That's not gay. That's called we're badly dancing and at at we're badly dancing. not even or, that.
0: It was just like it was, it was homo panic. Like you know that yeah. moment where the guy gets into a situation where they're like, Uh oh, like because it could be homo, it could not be homo, and they just cut it out before that guy said no homo. That's exactly what that moment was. I do not believe yeah. for a second that moment <laughs> was gay.
1: Or they'll be like, yeah, they're gay but they play it for the camp aspect. And it's like, yeah, no.
0: Or, they, find- or there's no evidence. I mean, I guess that's the mm-hmm.
1: that's,
0: that's the struggle. It's like, do we want the evidence? Because it's like, oh, the, the, they show that they're gay, but there's like, then they put in this one character just to prove that they're gay, and then that character is literally just a staple to show that they're gay? Or do we yeah. have a character where we never really see that they're gay? It's, yeah. it's a struggle, because it's like, how do we tell people how to show somebody is gay without just... Creating a separate character that's literally just cut out for them,
2: yeah.
1: Like, well, I used to say it's the equivalent. I used to drop textbooks, and uh, when you illustrate kids, um, long story short, if you want to do textbooks, you have to be there. Are states that have rules if you want your stuff to be taught in their school systems, uh, like California has a toughest, they call it the California rule, you have to be inclusive of the type of characters and children you show in your uh, books, and one of them is like, you have to show deaf characters. I'm like, it's an illustration. How do you know they can't hear you? Oh my god. You know, and it's like, so I'm, this is like 1995, and I'm drawing kids those big old, like, 70s hearing aids with the big box and the headphones. I'm like, they've got it down to like the size of a microchip, and I have to draw this to show that they're deaf. I'm like... So I mean, that's kind of, exactly. It's like, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so basically I was, you know, having none of that. And then uh, with the, you know, the 70s and 80s lesbians, and then, you know, um, towards the late 80s and stuff. But also, um, to a different degree, is um, my mom was uh, a nurse. And uh, she was an IV therapist, so she's a specialized nurse that drew blood and started IVs. And so when the AIDS crisis hit, she was very aware of it, because it was a threat right away to what she did, because you dealt with blood every day. So, um, yeah, the whole gay, homosexual world was very much involved in my life in different aspects, because... Um, you know, when people were still afraid of AIDS, my mom pretty much, being in the medical field, knew that it's okay. You know, she knew how it was transmitted and stuff like that. And there was no terror like on our part, even though, like, an entire generation decided not to have sex because it's like, oh, my God, you're going to die. If you don't get pregnant, you're just going to die anyway. So, um, yeah, and um, all the gay men that my parents knew, a lot of them didn't survive it. So, it's kind of sobering, and then, you know, the 90s hit, and Riot Girls came out of nowhere. And, um... my girls. Your girls, yeah. And, um, that whole... And that's actually why I started doing comics, because a lot of, uh... Comics was a boys' network. Yeah. And I was, and I was a girl who liked it. I, I, you know, as a kid, I'm gonna go to New York and dress Spider-Man! had no idea that there was no women, barely any women, doing comics except for a very, very small handful. And um, then at the time when Riot Girls came out is when um, there was a similar movement in, quote-unquote, alternative comics. And there were suddenly all these women doing comics. They'd always done comics, starting in the 70s with underground comics and in San Francisco and stuff. But it exploded like everything else did in the early 90s. And a lot of um, them were gay-oriented and lesbian comics. And I discovered all that and went, hey, I'm gay, I draw comics, let's go.
0: So so how did you, I guess that's how you became aware of it. So how did you get into it? Because the internet wasn't. A huge thing no. up until the 2000s. So
1: what happened was Kinkos, Kinkos comic, uh, Kinkos uh, copiers, and what do you call Kinkos? Um, places like Kinkos where you go and make photocopies, and okay. you can you can make comics by photocopying <laughs> on paper, folding and stapling. It was called the uh, Zine and Small Press Comics movement. So people discovered you could make your own comics. You didn't have to go get 500 printed. You could make a run of 25. You could make five. You could make one. You could make as few as, many as you wanted. And all you needed was a photocopier. So it was called the, It was a huge explosion of black and white comics. And a lot, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, came out of that. Um, what else came out of that? Uh, Alison Battle and 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 all those people came out of that era. Uh, who else, um, I'm trying to name drop who people would know, but the biggest one was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all came out of that because then um, printers started to print just black and white comics, so it was just zines it was zines, a small press and um, uh, uh, I completely lost the name of it it was the a black and white explosion. They called the black and white explosion, and people, because you could print 500 black and white comics for like um, 500 bucks or 5, 1,000 bucks. The crow came out of that movement too. So all these things you know today started back then, and it was and everybody who could draw and had you know 50 cents they could spend at Kinkos to make photocopies um, started making comics, and I was one of them.
0: So, where would you take the comics after you were done with it? You just put on a bulletin board, like?
1: Well, there were um, yeah. is, I'm trying to remember, but there was um, people would find things, some comic book shops would take them. Some, um, like here in Chicago, there's a place called Haley's Comics, and the guy carried superhero comics, but also the alternative comics at the time. And you'd come in and say, "Hey, you saw my comic? Sure, we'll sell your comic." And um, some wow. alternative record, there were record stores that did it, because they sold, you know, punk albums, alternative albums, import albums. And they would say, hey, give me your comics, we'll do it. Because people were doing magazines, too, like um, uh, alternative rock and roll magazines, writing about specific uh, genres or, like, movements in the cities they lived in. It got very, very um, genre and even, like, locally micro-specific. It wasn't just like Rolling Stone Magazine. It was like, okay, I'm going to do about Rockabilly in my neighborhood in Chicago. And there would be zines about that specific group. And then they just, you know, go all over the place with it.
0: Wow. I I think my age is showing here, but the idea of that, like, having that kind of community, like, having, like, where your reach doesn't go so far out, but it's like, you will run into people. Like, have you ever run into someone that you saw was reading one of your comics?
1: Um. Probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, like, did you ever like what, like, like? I guess did, were you the one who did you take your comics to like record stores and stuff and just let them sell it there? And then did you ever like run into somebody on the street that was reading it?
1: Um, uh, it's it's kind of weird. It's I.
0: I can't believe I've gotten to the point in my life where I can't imagine the world before the internet. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, that was just starting then. Like, email was just starting. Like, AOL, you were there saying a thousand discs in the mail to get your thousand hours free and crap like that. Um, but I didn't have a computer, and this was like you you networked. And there was actually um, independent comic stores were becoming more and more... Um, I guess, spreading around the country. Like, we had a bunch from Chicago. You go to each one, and they would sell them. And then um, there were a couple of, like, you could send them to, like, alternative papers. fact papers. There was actually a magazine called Fact Sheet 5, and it was a guy who collected these from all around the country. He put out, like, a quarterly magazine that reviewed them all, and you'd read Fact Sheet 5. That was cool. That was cool. So you connected people via mail, like snail mail. And you trade, like, I'll send you mine, you send me yours, or you'd send, like, a dollar bill folded in a piece of paper in the, in the you know, in a stamped envelope and set it off, and you get a packet of zines. And that's how we did it. It was kind of like pen pals with all these creators. And I met a lot of people that way, and you met a lot of really cool, creative people who are working professionally today, because that's how they started. And um, you could send it, you know, sometimes alternative papers would run your stuff, not too often, but you know, I had stuff reviewed in the local alternative, you know, uh, weekly papers here, because they saw it at the comic book store or whatever, and, um, then there'd be anthologies, you know, other bigger companies were sniffing out they could make money off these poor artists. No. So they started, we never got paid for this stuff. Oh, we'll pay you. Okay, yeah, you never got paid. Um, but it got your name out there. It was really hard. It was a lot of networking. It was a lot of stamps, a lot of writing. And, um, now, granted, when the internet became more of a day-to-day thing and it was, you know, everybody has it now. You know, you're, it's on your phone. Before it was on your giant-ass computer, it became easier. But you had to wait to well, I don't have a computer yet. I don't have an internet account. I don't have an email. What's email? But before that, it was basically networking, finding other people, and you'd find a magazine or what you liked. And people, what people would do is they would... um on the back page, say here's other creators I like, and they list them. So it was all this this intense networking um, of people and saying, "Here, if you like my little zine that you bought for five, you know, fifty cents, here are ten other people I like, and here's their name and address, and order from them." And that's what you would do. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that that sounds like a little um, like there should be a Rocky montage over that. <laughs>
1: I think I'm like wow. I worked my ass off.
0: <laughs> so, so you did you always make like from that moment? Did you just decide that you wanted to make comic strips that were for that were featuring the life of LBGT people?
1: Well, that's all I knew. Of you course. know, um, oh, that was the thing. And plus, you know, people were were they're doing there they there actually were comics called gay comics and women's comics, you know, W-I-M-M-I-N-S or however they spelled it, you know, so the word men wasn't in there. Um, But very feminist forward, very feminist forward, very militantly feminist. And um, and that was giving women a voice, you know. um, And uh, so I got exposed to that, but here's the thing. All those comics were mostly about gay men and women, and their sexual lives. So there's a lot of sex in these comics. Like, you will know, be like, huh, oh, this is about sex. Surprise, surprise. Oh, this is about sex. And I don't call it porn, but it's like, yes, you're gay, it's about sexuality. But I want to do, when I uh, was doing Mind and Max, I want to talk about people who are gay, but sex isn't the focus of who they are. Yes, they're gay, they identify gay, but the sex is not what defines them. They're smart people, they're intelligent people, they're funny people. And that's what I was not seeing. Um, even Alice McDowell, the high queen of lesbian comics, there was a lot of sex in her stuff. And I, and I understand people want to see that. They want to see that the sex in between um, um, gay, lesbian, bisexual, whatever, it's okay. Um, but. It's tiresome. It's like, okay. uh, It gets quite graphic and that's boring. And it's tedious. And it's like, wow. It's like, am I looking at pornography or am I looking at comics? And it's like, I'm not uptight, but I'm bored. I'm so bored. I want to read about smart people who, you know, down the list of adjectives is gay. It's not the only one, you know? I'm not a gay comics artist. I'm a comics artist. And yes, the focus of my material is gay material, but that's not the only thing I do. And the interesting is, I just went forward with that. And um, later on, as I got further in my career, I actually got people who thanked me because one woman came to a convention and said, you know, I had a friend who was coming out and she was struggling to find comics because she loved comics. It was gay. She goes, but it's the same thing. It's about sex. And I showed, she showed her my work, and this woman was, like, so relieved. It was, like, finally a gay comic I could read, and it's not, you know, three panels and they're in their bed for three pages. And uh, so I, I think that's what defined me at the time. Besides the fact that stuff was, you know, funny and well-written and thinky, but, you know, not everybody ended up in bed at the end.
2: It's was like Will and Grace, but they're both gay.
1: Mm. Yeah. But Manya was intelligent. I mean, Manya, um, uh, the best known issue we did, um, Jen wrote a really beautiful piece called Falling. And it was just the character Manya, um, I guess, mourning the loss of a Gabriel friend who um, dies of AIDS. And she struggles with, does she get tested? What does that mean? What is life and death? What is the meaning of all this? And we got a lot of attention that we still occasionally do. People come and say, you know, falling really affected me and it's a beautiful piece and thank you and stuff like that. So, um, that's, that's, that's the kind of work I wanted to do with the see. So I went out there and did it, you know, I wanted a niche, couldn't find, so I made it.
0: That's amazing though. Like I, I, like I really wanted to like cheer you on because that's like a huge thing that's it, it, it's strange because it's just like when people think of gay and sexual things that that are that they aren't gay it sex is immediately the first thing that they that the only impression they really have it's like right oh, they're unfortunately some people are like oh they're dirty perverts and other people are just like yeah they they fuck like mm-hmm. it's it's so strange it's like even now when when i I don't really tell a lot of people outside the gay community that I have a gay podcast, but some people are just like, so what? You guys just talk about sex all the time. And I'm just like, uh, no, no, we do not talk about sex all No. The time. I mean, I might have an episode of that one day, but that is not what we talk about. And they're like, right. so, so what else could it be about? And I'm just like, they can't understand it. There's like, it's, it's a hard <laughs> balance of explaining to somebody what, gay is because yes, gay means that I am attracted to somebody of the same sex, you know, bisexuals being attracted to people of the same sex, you know, the plethora of other labels that come after that and it's hard because it's just like that is the definition of what makes us different from other people but there's also a lot of other experiences that people don't understand that we go through every day that they just don't. Like when I, I, I started a new job and so I'm around a lot of other people and I was outed at work the other day. Like I, my right. surprise, surprise. I work with my mother now, but she's in the IT department and I'm like pushing around paperwork. So we don't necessarily work together, but we work for the same company. Uh, um, and she came and she was asking me questions about my wife. And I have not told the people that I work with that I'm a lesbian it hasn't come up yet. You know, you know, we haven't gotten, mm-hmm. to, we haven't gotten to the part of, Oh, we've taught you everything, you know, now let's learn about your personal life. Cause Thank yeah. You. The person I work closest with, she doesn't, she's not a very sherry type person. She's like, mm-hmm. she's like, don't find it rude, but I don't like sharing my personal life. And I'm like, I gotcha. I got you there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she was asking questions about my wife, but it was like, whoa, there,
2: whoa, <laughs> there.
0: And it was, it was interesting because I had to pull my mother aside and explain to her, you know, I understand that. You're very proud of me. I'm very thankful that you accept me for who I am and you don't see as a problem. But please realize that not everyone is going to feel the same way that you do. Like it's like some people get under the impression of, oh, you have gay marriage, I guess everything's okay because they've never had a problem with it and they don't realize, a lot like racism, that it's still everywhere. It's still a problem everywhere. You can't just do that to certain people. Like, mm-hmm. um, I have friends that say, when a doubt, don't out, and it's apparent, like, that word has not, that phrase has not actually traveled outside mm-hmm. of the community well, and I just, I had to sit her down and say, listen, you know, I'm really thankful that you're proud of me, but I would appreciate if you left that part out when we're talking. Like, if you have to have questions yeah. about my wife, like, text me, or, you know, talk to me, like, mano a mano, just, like, don't bring it up around us until I'm more comfortable here. And it was it was strange having to explain that to someone, because I haven't had, like, gay panic in a while, or at least, I guess not gay panic, but gay fear in a while. And now mm-hmm. I'm in this new place, I'm like, hooray, I'm a grown-ass woman who's not ashamed of anything, but shit, I got scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was I'm... like, oh, shit.
1: Yeah. And um...
0: it's, it's, it's just interesting having to explain to people, you know, it's still personal that it's still you know you need to still be careful with that kind of stuff and right just they don't they just don't ex- they don't understand that struggle that we have like at all
1: no and, and, and that's the thing it's like oh it, it's 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 so much more complicated it's like hey we've only had the right to get married for a few years and, you know, what's the big deal about that? It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Um, I am very fortunate in, you know, um, I don't have a really rough and tra- tragic, a harsh word, but coming out story, you know, my parents, I never really, I'm like I'm like, do my sisters have to tell you their street? I'm certainly going to have them sit down and be like, I'm gay. It's like, I am, deal. And so I never do the whole big coming out thing. I wasn't kicked out of my house. Because I didn't talk about it. I didn't date in high school and in college. Doesn't mean stuff wasn't going on. But they didn't know about it. And it just kind of was. It just kind of like, hey, here's the person I'm seeing. And she's a female. And you know, they already had gay friends, but they're men. And so I think there's kind of like, oh, my kids gay. What do I do? And it's like you don't do anything. There's, there's nothing you can do but be supportive. And to their credit, they 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 are, I would say, to a point. Um, but they've never done anything negative. But they're not. I'm pretty certain I'm described as the gay daughter. I get the adjective, you know, that kind of thing. So, um there's that and um i've been very fortunate that in places i've worked i've never hidden myself i'm like you're gonna find out at some point but i don't go around announcing it either you know
0: yeah Hello? I, I totally understand yeah. that like i don't i don't particularly announce it to other people either like I, it takes yeah. it takes people won't realize it, but it takes like months like literally months like i could work with someone for like Sometimes a year, depending on the people that are around me to figure out whether it's not if I just like drop the bomb that, oh yeah, my wife's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, and like and there's some people I've actually had somebody that was offended that I didn't tell them. They're like, why, di- yeah. why didn't you why didn't you tell me you were you were gay? And I'm just like, Well it just never mm-hmm. came up and they get like offended and I'm just like, Hold on there, Mary, it's it's not a big deal. Uh, you can calm down. And it's, like, they're not offended (laughs) that I am gay, they're offended that I didn't trust them. And it's like, well, it's not something I needed to tell you, because, you know, nothing about our work revolves around me letting you know about my wife. Granted, my horses are hilarious. Do you want to hear about them? And I'll just start talking about my horses. That's all I need to do in life.
1: Um, Well, (laughs) yeah, and it's like, I've had two long-term jobs my adult career one it was seven years the one i'm currently at i've been doing it with the same company essentially for 20 years at this point and the, the first job i had was a college university campus in a major city in chicago you know nobody cared whatever you know godspeed just do your work you're fine but um the job i currently have um the woman i work for um, was a gay woman who had a, long, a long-term partner and kids so and she was she was hilarious because she's like oh, I knew when you walked in I'm like I knew when I saw you you know I say, there's no mistaking that you're gay yeah exactly <laughs> and, um, but she's like but you knew what you were doing it's like yeah you know and I worked with her for a number of years and then um, the company I now work for was, it was a part of the previous company and we were sold to another company. So, um, uh, so at that point, and they took our entire department and just made us our own company. So everybody knew that point. At that point, I'm the boss. I'd work up to the brain- wings, I'm the boss. Guess what? Your boss is a lesbian deal, but now I'm working with younger people who are just like, so what, you know, water's wet, you know, get over it. Um, wow. there's nothing to get over. It's like, Oh, you're cool. Chris, You know, which I am. Um, But but the interesting thing is, is that um, I still get a little, it's newer staff. And it's like when um, J.D. and I got married, um, my boss knew and I said, you know, we're going to get married. And I came in the next day because we did a private courthouse thing before we had an actual, you know, traditional celebration kind of thing. And I told my boss it was happening, so I came to work the next day. And uh, my boss brought in, like, bagels and cream cheese and all this breakfast stuff. And she comes over. She goes, can I tell everyone you got married?
0: <laughs> hey, she asked That's so sweet. Well,
1: because, because she knows I'm not the type to be personal. But it's like, you know, the people I work with knew. But I hadn't really talked about being engaged. And people knew, but it wasn't like, ah, I'm engaged. Or like, yeah. You were looking at caterers, you know. You, know, I didn't do the big female. Oh my God, I'm gonna be a bridezilla, you know. And there is yeah. no way shower because I'm like the, I said to my uh, one of my uh, staff members and if you hear even a word about a shower, she goes, "Here's what we'll do. I'll be the head of the shower committee. I'll collect all the money, and the gift card will split it." I'm like, "That sounds good." <laughs> oh my God. Um, but um. She brought the stuff in. Yes, it can. So she sent a company-wide email and said, "Congratulations to uh, Chris and JD who got married." And everybody came over, and they were like, "It was really amazing." The number of people who like walked over to my office who, who never talked to me like in the elevator would come to my uh, came to my office, and we're like, "Oh my god, congratulations! We're so happy for you and and all that." And you know, someone really surprised. It's like. You got you were dating? I'm like, I don't go and talk about who I'm dating and living with and what all that. Um That's but, hilarious.
0: They're like, No, we and, just assumed that you were like a hermit. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: exactly. yeah, it's like, yeah, you just you just go home and draw comics in your cave, right? Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> but um but the best part was when I went to HR and said, Hey, I'm married and the HR woman was like, She goes, I am so happy and thrilled to be able to put your wife on your health insurance. She goes, she wow. was like practically in tears. And she's like, you know, and just made sure everything was right and correct. And she's like, oh my God, Chris, she goes, this just gives me such relief. I'm so happy this company does that. And they would, and you know, that we're, we can't do this because of the, you know, because Illinois had, you know, the right to marry before the federal stuff went through or the you know, the Supreme Court ruling. So it was gonna happen no matter what, but she was so excited because she told me uh, she had a cousin or somebody who unfortunately who who was um, a lesbian and a partner, they weren't married and was ill and the partner couldn't do a thing and had no rights to anything. They built a legend for twenty years and she had nothing to show for it when her partner died because she had no rights to anything. And she was like in tears saying, You can give Jamie Everything, JD, everything and it's she was like crying. I'm like, Okay, I'm glad you have it for me. But that's you know, it's like from twenty years, like you can't tell anybody to like your HR person mind to hug you. It's it's quite the thing, you know?
0: I mean d isn't it isn't
1: it great? Isn't
0: it great? Yeah. Like people were shocked when they heard that I had to like ask HR to make sure that everyone like all of our vendors for our health insurance took same-sex couples, and they're like, why did you have to ask that? And I'm like, why do you think I had to ask that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's like that moment where they're like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's still a thing. I mean, if we're still having issues with bakers deciding that they don't want to bake gigs for us, I mean, do, do you think any other company will be different?
1: Yeah. Or it's like, you know, you have to go to the emergency room and you have to say your sisters just so you can stay with the person when they're in the emergency room, you know?
0: That's the only time that whole people mistaking your loved ones as siblings comes into yeah. play. Like, that's the only time that it, there's a really good advantage to that. Because I've, I've talked to people who are in interracial relationships and they still get the question, are you guys sisters? Like, that's just hilarious.
1: Yeah. One of our favorite stories is um, when I broke my hand, I had to go to the ER, which, you know, it was the first time I'd ever done that. I'd never been in an ER in my life. I had to ride an ambulance and everything. Uh, <laughs> my poor baby. Yeah, I was on the way to work, and, you know, some idiot pulled in front of me and my car smashed into it. And I have a broken hand. I'd never broken a bone. I'm all, you know, everything else, everything else about me was physically fine, but I had a broken hand. I'm going to the hospital don't know what's happening I'm really confused I'm really scared. I have to call JD and say I was in a car accident you have to come to the hospital and um, she gets there and you know think it was just a simple break you know no surgery nothing but still um, they, you know they, they didn't give me anything because in case of surgery so at some point I'm like I'm really thirsty and so JD said you know can Chris have water? And we were joking about because a year before, JD um, <laughs> went first to Chicago to visit me, twisted her ankle really bad, resulting us in going to the emergency room. And it was like almost like a year to the day. Right? right. And we were joking, saying, "Hey, our first anniversary. Let's not spend our second one in the ER, too." You know. <laughs> first, first dating anniversary is the ER, right? Right. You know, it's like. <laughs> so he made this joke, and um, and the woman I guess she was she an RN LPN said, yeah the woman, the heard his out. joking about. So JD said, "Can you know, can, can Chris have some water?" And she she goes, on to check." And she's like, "Yeah, you're not. There's no threat of surgery, so you can take something, you know, by mouth." But she came back with ice water, a couple of ice water like what two straws? Yeah, two bendy straws. Two bendy straws and it, and it gave it to us and said, "Happy anniversary." <laughs> It was so sweet and so adorable. <laughs> we were just like touched, like like I'm like I'm all like shocky and all. Of them, I'm like that's so sweet. You
0: know? <laughs> that is so sweet, though. Yeah.
1: That's
0: cute. that's cute. So how long have you two been together?
1: Forever. Forever. <laughs> uh, married for three, together for five. Well, We've known each other for eleven. We've known each other for eleven years.
0: Well, c- congratulations, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we just had our three-year anniversary, and we continually have to correct ourselves because we don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's so strange. Like, usually the joke is one of the spouses is like, no. Like, granted, I know every specific date that we, like, had special things on, but I don't remember how long it's been. <laughs> <laughs> like the date goes as far as the day in the month it does not go into the year so we're always like has it been three four how long have we known each other and it's like not that fucking long <laughs>
1: not long no. enough to
0: have that have to have that question
1: well we we fix that by actually getting married on our the date of our first like day as a couple so we know the exact date because it, it, it it's all the same day
0: <laughs> that makes it easier
1: Yeah, it's like, so that's, we actually did it because it's like, well, let's just make it easy. And then we know it's exactly three years, you know, five years is a couple, three years married. You know, six years is a couple, you know, four years married. It's very sweet. We're sweet like that. We are. You guys are
2: cute. You guys
0: are cute. Okay, back to Chris. Back to Chris. (laughs) And I promise we can get more into you two in a
1: minute. (laughs) Sure.
0: Okay, so you... So you hit into the comic scene, you said, around the 80s? Oh,
1: uh, like timeline. early 90s, like 92, 93 is when I, act- ah, I was finishing college. And I'm like, what do I do? Well, of course, I go into the money making feeling of trying to draw my own comics and sell <laughs> them. you know. And I charge like a quarter for them. So, yeah, I was making, you know, enough money. To Tens, buy- of <laughs> Tens of dollars. Tens of dollars.
0: Wow, a quarter. Like, yeah. I can't even think of anything you can buy for a quarter today.
1: Oh. No, but it was a good way to get make mass produce stuff and get out there, and you know, and like uh, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So when did make you? A lot of comics. <laughs> so you said that you you got um, you worked together with this poet, and you guys put out a really amazing comic. I've i actually tried to look at it, and for some reason I'm having a hard time finding it in print.
1: It I don't, yeah because the
0: right places.
1: No, because um. The last one we put out was ninety or Two thousand 2000 or two thousand one, yeah. So if any more in print, they're basically in our storage space right now. So we can talk offline. I'll send you some. Aww.
0: no, you don't have to do that. I mean, please, if I please, they're in the our pictures.
1: storage space. We need the space. <laughs> we insist i insist because i know jd's like let's cut the storage space even if it's just one a time we will
0: <laughs> all right so you've gone on past that like you've done more stuff for your own because i know that you have another one uh, gone that's really popular
1: uh, yeah go for
2: it oh. it's a gorgeous work i'm sorry i just said it, it's a gorgeous piece of work <laughs>
0: So when did did you get that one? Like, was that one another one that you just self-published and then sold yourself? Or did you work with an actual publishing agency for that one?
1: I've always independently put my stuff out. Um, I know a lot of people said, why don't you try to go find someone else to publish and print it? I'm kind of a control freak in that regards. You know, I'm I'm by trade, I'm a graphic designer and book designer and art director. So I want my stuff to look like my stuff. I don't want to be like, okay, here's my stuff. You know, somebody else put your vision on it. Um,
0: I feel you. Because my, <laughs> my wife is an author and I made her book covers. And then we got uh-huh. her book picked up and they were like, we're going to have to make this cover. And I was like, wait a minute.
1: <laughs> wait <laughs> a minute.
0: But it's part of the contract. There's no if, answer, buts about it. So I'm like, fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't want, you know, my vision tainted. Plus, I'm stubborn like that. And, I want to know how to do it. I like having the control over my own stuff. Um, so yeah, everything I've put out myself.
0: So was that, was that a hard process getting, like, was that just like a lot, a lot, a lot of work to get to the point where you're able to just to put out, you know, your own stuff and to do it your own way?
1: Um, It's a lot of learning and a lot of it I'd learned pre-internet. So it was like, you know, researching and... And, you know, writing to people and getting in contact with people who knew how to do print. Now you just go online, you Google it, you know how to do it in five seconds. Or, you know, there are places that do that specialize it for you. But we do comics. So us your PDF, and we're done. Like, PDF, I had to, like, paste up boards and send in an original artwork and, you know, back in the hardcore old days. So um, it's been a process. But I actually liked it, and it actually, you know, helped that I did it for a living, so...
0: Right. And you, you did a lot of, but you did a lot of footwork before then. Like you got your name out there working with these scenes and these underground.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, in, in hindsight, I didn't realize I was doing all that, but I was, which if that makes sense, it's just like, I went to conventions, you network, you met people and you talked to people, they talked to you. And if I guess if I wasn't conscious of it. I really was. I didn't think I'm like, I'm not networking, but I totally was. I don't know why I didn't think I was, but you know, naive youth. Right.
0: Right. Right. And what, what kind of advice would you give to, because there's a lot of people out there that are trying to make it in the comic book world, especially a lot of people now that, you know, they're, they're struggling all the time with just breaking through to get into it, especially uh, with the comic, what do they call it now? Comic gate. Which sounds oh. exactly the same as, like, GameGate or whatever the fuck. It, whatever, it, was, just let go. miss let it go.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, If anything, it's like, you gotta, you gotta, well, it's harder of the internet because it's so distracting. There was no internet when I was doing this. It was so distracting because you had the TV on, you know? If you can turn off the TV, you turn off the damn internet, Right. Um, but I also understand, you know, and I I see the value of having a Facebook and Twitter page, and that it can sell stuff for you, and you know, you don't have to drag your butt across the country to conventions and beg beg bookstores to carry it. You can sell it yourself. But um, the only thing that I would see is that I go to conventions in the last couple of years, and you see people who have one book and. 8,000 pieces of merchandise. (laughs) T-shirts, buttons, posters, prints, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, where's your actual book? It's there in the corner. It's like, well, what are you selling? Does this character, this license, this merchandising, or are you selling a book? And I think people lose focus of, um, I work in children's publishing. We deal with licensing. We deal with characters that exist, like Sesame Street, um, Nickelodeon, Disney, all that stuff. And the stuff that succeeds is where the characters and stuff are built and solid and formed. All the, the the licensing stuff is after that. But if the characters and stuff aren't there, kids aren't stupid. They aren't going to want a toy for something they don't care about. You know? It's like they, they pick all the toys and stuff first, and then oh, we should make a TV show. And, eh. It doesn't work. It's like anything. It's like, have your foundation solid. Everyone wants to be like Transformers. Exactly. But, you know, Transformers are cool, and you put the concept behind it, so you're playing a Transformer, you say, hey, it's a so-and-so character, da da It's like dinosaurs. Kids who love dinosaurs really love dinosaurs. <laughs> and if you get it wrong, a five-year-old will write you a letter, bust your chops because you spelled plesiosaurus wrong, got the wrong epic it belonged to, and it was not this; it was that. A five-year-old will bust your chops for that. Because this actually but, happened to you, know,
0: too, Chris.
1: That that actually kids will, yeah, that will happen. Not to me, but you know, they've written it and found it's errors. To your dinosaurs. Oh, I don't. I'm also not an editor. Um, <laughs> but they will bust your chops if you get something wrong. I had, for, you know, um, if you get a character wrong, you know, the kids know these shows inside and out. It's like, no, that's not, no. I mean, we've had parents say that, you know, hey character, they don't do that in the show. They know the stuff. So, um, and that's how it falls out. Sometimes stuff lasts forever because it's, Mickey Mouse lasts forever because Mickey Mouse is Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse never strays from being Mickey Mouse, and when it does, people let you know they don't like it really quick. Mm. So I see, you know, these youngins today, these kids, and they get they draw something that looks really cool, and um, they don't put anything behind it it's just something looks really cool looks cool in a t-shirt looks cool in the print looks cool on a button looks cool in the pin and then you read the actual thing it's like where do i look why do i care why do i want this yeah it looks cool but why are you telling me try me run your comic when all you have is something that looks cool on objects and i saw far too much of that recently or i'm like I'm not... This is not a licensing show. I'm here to buy cool comics. We're the cool comics, you know? Mm hmm I don't know if that made sense, but that was my rant about that at the end.
0: (laughs) Well, I see what you're saying, because capitalism is a monster. I've said it multiple times. I will probably be saying it forever until it destroys itself, which will not happen anytime soon. Um, (laughs) But capitalism... Is a monster because a lot of people they, they're under the impression that if you're making something and you want it and you want it to inspire people and to last the only way to make it successful is to be making money off it because if you're not making right. money off of it then why are you doing it
1: right so
0: and that's I, that's just the idea that i'm catching because as as a person that has been told that for some reason it's never been spoken into words but everybody thinks that after college you have to have your life to, your life just figured out for you. It's just like one right. of those things. Like somehow we've picked up that impression, probably from television, that you're supposed to have your <laughs> life figured out after college and that right. everything you do has to somehow make money. Otherwise, it has no value.
1: Exactly, exactly. And if you're, um, like I said, I, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but I have a huge problem. With the whole Kickstarter Patreon thing, if people listening out there have one, you're doing well with it. God bless you. I love you for it. But I have a problem with people using it. You know the whole. I think Kickstarter started like for filmmakers. Like my movie's almost done. I just need 500 bucks to edit it. I'm good, and we we'll get a producer's credit. And then people started doing it for other things, and especially comics. It's like tier one, you get a PDF. Tier two, you get the actual. Um, PDF, and a hard copy. Tier 3, I will draw you something. Tier 4, and it becomes this kind of like it's enslavement. Of exactly. <laughs> it becomes an enslavement to people to buy your book. It's like, why are you spending all this energy to, get, to give people free stuff to buy you a book? And I've always said even before all this happened, it's like people would try to trade at, at Comic-Cons. You go and they say, hey, I'll trade you my book for your book. And I didn't like doing that. I always say, if I like your book, I will give you money for it. And people try to shove their books at me. And usually people that don't have really good books that try to shove you. And I'm like, I'm just going to throw this out. And I walk around. People are like, oh, I like your work, Chris. Here, just take it. i like, no, I'm going to give you money for your work. If you like a person's work, if you like an artist's work, like a creator's work, pay them money and do not think they owe you anything don't think well I paid I bought your book you owe me a free drawing they don't owe you anything it's a fair deal you gave them money they gave you a good deal done that's that's basic what do you call it commerce 101
2: <laughs>
1: consumerism, <laughs> consumerism yeah it's like it's not like okay I bought this from you I got it now what else are you going to give me no 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 and people have tried to talk to me doing Kickstarter. It's like, well, then you can do this and you can do this and then you can do this and this and this. I'm like, I'm, that's me. It's taking me taking energy away from the actual physical thing I want to produce. And I'm like, I don't have that time. I don't have energy. And, you know, it's like saying I bought, you know, the new U2 album, therefore they owe me a free concert in my backyard. It's like, no, no, they do not
0: is i i do see some of the point of kickstarter because to like physically create something it takes money to do that and there's a lot of people out there with a lot of talent that you know that that barrier of oh i don't have enough money to put this into reality where right that's that's the bummer part and you want to
1: right it's
0: it's almost like an investing game and I've, but I've heard right. a lot of people that have gotten really upset because they put money into a Kickstarter to do something, and then it didn't come out the way that they expected it would. And it's like, well, that's investment, baby. So.
1: Right. There was one I put money into. It's been five years. Five years. For something you'd have ready like, six months. Five.
0: Wow. Let's get back to things. We got off on a lot of rants. But you said... You're retired, you don't want to do comics anymore, you just want to start with illustrations. But do you have a process, like a creative process, that you go through? Because you've been doing this a really long time. I'm pretty sure it's, like, second nature to you, but do you...
1: Oh, yeah, um, I've always illustrated, even at the time I was doing comics, I did greeting cards for years. I've done, like, almost a thousand, like, actual, legit greeting cards. Um, so odds are I probably wished you a happy birthday at some point. Um, uh, so I'm not kidding about that one. I still see my cards. I haven't I haven't done them in a very long time, but I still go to like Target and stuff and I see one of my greeting cards. Like I had fifty bucks that they're still making money from me. You know.
0: Wow. That, so it's like a it's like a commission point. Like it's a one time. Well, I would imagine it's a one time pay. I don't know how they would keep yeah, track of people I, buying all.
1: And work for. Yeah, I actually worked for a company. They were guys that used to work for Hallmark Shoebox Greetings. They started their own studio. And they sold theirs to recycled paper greetings for really big, you know, in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And then I think Papyrus brought them. Yes, I know too much about the greeting card industry still. But they paid me um, like 500 bucks a month to draw 10 cards. And I did that for years. No, so um, hey, I had no money. That was five hundred bucks a month. Was that like in the nineties? Yeah, that was like rent. Yeah, exactly. It was rent. <laughs> so I had full, but for the full time
0: cards, that's that's good. That,
1: that's oh, great. but it's a lot of work. I um, but uh, uh, I was working full time illustrating a textbook series. I, I did that for seven years because it takes seven years to draw. You know, textbooks for kindergarten through fifth grade. And then um, I was doing that, and I and I was doing comics on top of that. So, oh my god! <laughs> uh, I'm surprised. It was just I your actually. Left hand
2: uh,
1: that blew out. Yeah, I, hope, exactly. I hope you're not
0: sore about that. I just like let me. No, no, right no, over no, that. no.
1: I even I go back in my head like, where did I find the time to do that? Specialty. Yeah. Um, but you're young, you know. You're young. You're not doing anything. You just go home, lock yourself in your apartment, and you know draw away and that's pre computers and all that so it wasn't like I could email stuff and scan. I mean it was you know settings up X and running around like crazy. Um but I had to with the textbook job and um the greeting card I had to learn to draw fast. Fast, 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 fast. I am a very fast illustrator. And um a thing I do not do that almost every artist does is keep sketchbooks. I draw in my head. I had to learn to draw in my head and get everything in my head so I can get down a paper on a first or second pass. So, um, I say I often have my best ideas and it's true. While I'm driving because I'm driving, you know, paying attention to the road, but my, my head is playing and drawing and figuring stuff out. And, um, so, uh, I buy sketchbooks with the best of intentions and I kind of I run up taking notes in them and taking them to work and, you know, taking me notes in them. But, um, yeah, I draw in my head. So, like with Max and Lily and stuff like that, I would have an idea for a strip. I take the tiniest piece of paper I could find, I'd write the script for it in one or two passes and then draw it. I just spend weeks and months and years toiling over. A comic um i write pretty quickly and um like i said one or two passes and i consider it quote unquote done if i had a real editor around me at the time they would go oh you're so not done but it worked out and um but uh yeah uh, people are really surprised how quickly i draw that i can pull something you know um even at work to the states like i'll take a piece of paper and take a pen and scribble something really quick and they're like uh, yeah, it's exactly what we were talking about. I'm like, okay, and I was probably like, how I do, do it so fast? I'm like, I had to learn to do it in my head and be able to translate what's in my head onto paper almost immediately. So, my process is really, really quick. Um, if that's what you're talking about, but um, in terms of everything else, do you want to know what paper I use? Do you want to get that nerdy into it?
0: <laughs> no, that's that's information that I you can, I guess. Just
1: keep keep yourself, no, Chris. Don't be not
0: keep, but like I, <laughs> I just feel like that information, like I wouldn't know the specific questions to ask about that. I guess it's what I'm trying to say because I played with it for a little bit and then I decided it wasn't for me. So the knowledge I have of what I, I don't want someone to come back and be like, well, why didn't you ask this question? And I'll be like, right. I did know to ask that question.
1: So yeah.
0: Perhaps we should just go on to talking about your experiences in the industry. Like, like, um, usually there was a whole underground network of LBGT comics, and that's how you made your breakout, was through that, because that's what you wanted to do. So has that kind of history ever become a problem with when you were between places, like when you were going to new places? Like, was there ever a prejudice from your past work that you you idea to go against
1: you know I, again i i am one of the rare fortunate ones that the answer that is no first of all having a pretty much a gender neutral name helps a lot of people thought i was a dude and it's like thought you're a dude oh. nope oh, okay cool wow.
0: <laughs> was it just a prejudice um, that if it's a comic about lesbians it was done by a man
1: People weren't smart. Back, <laughs> you know? I mean,
0: I get that. Like, I still have problems. Like, it's anytime I go to to read or look at anything that's like lesbian-based these days. It's not so hard to like figure right. out if the person that wrote it is actually a woman. But back in the day, uh-huh. like, you could not pick up anything. I say back in the day, as if it was a long time ago. Um, yeah, <laughs> anything published for whatever reason, I always have to check the name of the person and then kind of look it up. Because you can't pick up an anthology about lesbians without, A, it being porn, which, to those people uh-huh. out there, that is their thing. Okay. But, B, to find out if it was, like, all written by men.
2: Like yeah. Like, all of it.
0: Like, basically, I, I think what I'm trying to say is that it feels like men's work is put in front of us a lot more than a woman's work. And I don't want to make this like ultra feminist, but that just seems to be the case regardless what the topic is about. Right. So I think that is another question I want to add to Yeah.
1: That. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the thing too, it's like what some people would say, Well, I thought you were a gay dude I'm like, What? you know. It's like how is that how your brain works? Really? That you think lesbian works on my gay dudes? <laughs> you know. Um uh, but the thing is, is that um, I got what I heard from, from men and, uh, that read that uh, is that I could draw. And I got a lot of respect because of that, because, again, I might get smacked right here, but a lot of the women that came up in those early years, it was like, anybody can do this. Everybody gets a trophy. A lot of people, and men and women, who could not draw. Putting out comics and getting high praise, and men because, like you're seeing with Comic Skate and stuff like that, as long as you are not better than men, it's fine. You, you stay right where you are, little lady. Someday you might be like one of the boys, but no, you really won't, don't, because we're threatened by you if you're better than us. But I could draw, I could draw circles around some guys. Am I the best at what I do? No, there are people, people, both genders of all genders that draw better than I do. But at the time I was kicking ass. And um, so I had a lot of respect and I did not apologize. I'm just a girl, It's us come on a girl. I'm like, this is my comic. And um, I have friends, you know, who i made back then to this day who have said to me, it's like, I always respected you because you never sold yourself or your work, your, or your work short. You're always like, "This is me. This is what I do. Damn it! Accept it or move on." You know, and uh, I didn't partner up with the guy who was, you know, obviously like you know the the, the, the uh, Dudley Do Right, you know, to me, and um, that 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 can happen. You know, it's like. Uh, you have seen it in music. It's like unless a lesser musician will team up or, you know, marry a stronger, more powerful musician. You know, it's like it's a star is born, you know? <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. I have such hot, like, I have such ridiculous opinions. Not even ridiculous opinions. They're just, like, very <laughs> firm opinions. Yeah. On the, women artists who are not- forced, literally. Maybe they're not forced. Maybe they're, like, just persuaded into it that they have to do collaborations. With, but it's just, like, yeah. they have to, like, they've. Built this out. They built this image of themselves, or at least somebody else has built it for them, and then they have to go and collaborate with some other guy. And it's like, regardless what they're singing about, regardless what the topic is, the lyrics from the men are always, "I'm hot shit," "I get laid all the time," and I'm just yeah. like, "Did you not hear what? Do, like, it's like, do they, do they even hear what the lyrics are supposed to be about? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand how that had anything to do with what the song was about." Like, right. I'm just like, that must be so frustrating to be like, I'm going yeah. to make the song. I have to collaborate with this person. Oh, that's going to be their part of the song. I'm like, do they get any negotiation or better yet? They probably don't. they probably just like their, their person is like, okay, this is how the song can go. And you just have to shrug and release it anyway. Like that must be so fucking frustrating. Yeah. Like, what is, the, what is the song? And you don't even have control over half the stuff you collaborate with, right? Or maybe you do, it's just like there's a dollar sign attached to it.
1: Yeah, and it's it's, it's really squeaky that way. It's like, you know, um, I, yeah, there was never the allure of that. And It's like, okay, now I do work with my wife. Why? Because I read her work before anything, before any of this was an us thing. It was like, hey, I'm J.D., here's the book I wrote. And I read her book, and I was like, holy shit, if I were to write a book, and if I wrote, I would write this. And write in this voice, it would be this freaking awesome.
2: I thought about reading your comics.
1: So, yeah, so, when well, we so worked cute. together, I <laughs> but, you know, I, I've, you know, I will say there have been people in my life who have been quote-unquote Think think they're artists of my equal, and that sounds like an egotistic egotistical thing to say. But who are also creatives, but did not have my drive, ability, the the focus and all that. And they want to rock your coattails. And they think just by you know, by being by proxy, your success will be dumped on them they will be sexual successful what they do. That doesn't happen that way. And not with me, and you do not last long.
2: I actually think that when people do that, because I've had my own experience with that, and I'm sorry I'm interjecting because I have to, Yes. um, is the fact of the matter is they're actually talentless fucks, and what they're hoping is that no one has noticed that they've been stealing other people's work all this time, and that using the allure of either their name or sex or their good cooking or whatever, that you won't notice that they're using you in the same exact way to do all the work for them, and hopefully they will get Recognize for the work that you do. And exactly. That's what I think. That
1: they're, they're, they're part of my French. They're foods. Exactly. And that has happened to me. And it's just like, no. And it's never gotten to that point because I'm not stupid. I'm like, you see what you're doing? I will encourage people to do their own thing and be the best at it. But do not expect me to do the work for you. And then you can be, look what I did. It's like, no, you did not do that. So... Yes, I work with my wife, but my wife does her own stuff. I do my own stuff. It's when we work together, it's, I'm going to say, it, I'm going to let ego control me right now. It's fucking brilliant because when she brings the table and I bring to the table, when it gets together, it just amplifies what each other does. It's really, really good stuff. It is really fucking awesome. I, love <laughs> stuff.
2: I can't wait to share, like, all of it because it's just that, I'm sorry, I get enthusiastic because I really like our stuff that much. Yeah. You know, if you're a cook, you should like your food. And you know, we're creatives who are storytellers and we have amazing stories. I mean, really amazing stories that we've been putting together. And you know, we, we have visual things that we're putting with it. We're creating music for it as well. And I, I love it. So uh,
1: yeah, and that's, that's, that's the great thing about being a creative. If you do it well by yourself and you find somebody who does it equally well by themselves, and you get together, and what you both do, depending when it comes together, just catches fire. It is like phenomenal, and it really—if if you think you're inspired, you know, by like great art, when you're with a person, and you're married to the person who inspires you, <laughs> and it's amazing. It's really—it's like, you know, we go on long road trips, and we write stuff. We write in the car. As we're driving, we're talking back and forth, you know, and then JD's taking notes and you know, in, in her phone and on paper, and it's like we do a lot of like really cool creative stuff. That we have more stuff oh. in our queue than we know will ever get done, but and relationship goals, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's really exciting to be with someone who you can share because being an artist can be very isolating, you know. Um. And being creative and stuff like the stuff that we do, which you know, writing takes a long time, drawing takes a long time, music takes a long time, um, anything like that, with you know, it takes hundreds of pages and thousands of hours, it's isolating. But when it's two of you that can do isolating work but in the same room, if that makes sense, it's really cool. It's really cool.
0: I got your guys' um, uh, creative differences talk are also really
1: fun we don't have any we we do the
0: argue over stuff
1: No, no we'll talk it through and then if we try to say okay this is where i'm coming from and like oh okay i get it and there's compromise but we don't argue and stop and walk away and then you know we each go fume in our corners until we get our way. We both have such similar sensibilities. I never feel like we have to, co- I,
2: have n- I never once feel like I've ever compromised on anything. Well, I own. think compromise is the wrong word. We, we come
1: to agreement. Let's go find that. the same view. We, yeah. we find
2: the same path
1: somehow. Some yeah. It's like, a, just... it, no, it's like we, you know, JD's much more clear on communicating than I am. I might, you know, me go drop a picture on cave wall, this is what we mean. You know? You
0: guys are grown-ass <laughs> professionals, basically.
1: Kiss me, I love you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I love you so much. So let's and she'll, this, and she'll use her words, and we'll come around to it. So it's, but it's we
2: like
0: we keep brushing the subject of you guys coming together and becoming a powerhouse for your creativity. Why don't we go into how you guys met? First We actually have to cut this podcast short. Uh, So please let people know where they can find you. And we will be back next week with a bonus episode to hear all about how they met. And if you liked this episode, please like, comment, share. Leave a review on iTunes. And if you have a story that you would like to share, please message us at Twitter at the Les Represent Podcast. Hope to see everyone again very soon.
1: Yes, we do. I'm
0: tortuga number one. <laughs> and I do know that that word does mean turtle in Spanish, but all everything we have, we just love the word tortuga, so everything we have it's is a tortuga. It's a, a great word. I love it. I love how, it's, how it feels in your mouth. You know, you get tired of saying the same words all the time, so now I'm just yeah. trying to learn a different language to make it interesting for me. There you go. Um, but everything tortuga. we have, everything we have, or tortugas, everything. Our horses are tortugas, our cats are tortugas. Right now the one screeching is we call her um Splotchy tortuga cuz she's a calico <laughs> and she's very vocal.
2: I've never, mm-hmm. I've never i was going to say she's sc- like the evil tortuga. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> screeching tortugas. Name that. Name another
1: baby. El oh, tortuga I mean. diablo <laughs>